0: Man, the only reason I'm asking good questions is because I don't want to get stuck in ten revision cycles and they're still not happy. Like I would much rather figure out exactly what they what they want, like exactly how I need to what I need to make and be as informed as possible. So that way when I give it to them, they're going to accept it within the first three revisions. Mm-hmm.
1: Hey everyone, and welcome to no Fat Cats, where we help high-performing creative teams get even better. I'm your host, Wesley Dean. Welcome to episode 20. In this episode, I talk with Bryce McNabb. Now, Bryce has won three regional Emmy Awards and two Automative Communication Awards for his documentary-style marketing videos. Now, Bryce attributes a big part of his success to understanding the seven basic story plots that we all tell. We also talk a bit about strategy, what it's like thinking through where you put content and um, how you want people to feel and look at how there's a very much a big separation between how we use different platforms and the importance of having a separate strategy for each one, all while looking at case examples, talking about how different sectors use different stories and just all things to help you think a little more creatively and spend more time before in the planning stages and how it's just gonna make your life so much easier later on. Before we started the podcast, we were just kind of chatting a little bit about our strategy and how we decided to do what we do and about the importance of actually just getting stuff done and getting it out there. So before we jump into the main part, here's a little bit about Bryce and I talking about our strategy, and what helped us decide to do what we're doing. If you struggle at all with getting started or creating stuff, then I think you'll find this section specifically helpful. I know for me it was more of more of it was something I wanted to do, like I found myself just not like, not, I don't spend as much time like watching TV and movies. My New Year's resolution is always like, I need to watch more TV and be on social media more. And, uh, like, <laughs> like
0: your I New know, Year's resolution
1: is you need to watch more television. TV, I know, but it like never happens, like, all resolutions. <laughs> like, I don't know. Just, I'm just not talented at watching TV. Um, maybe there's, I think it's just maybe like having three kids, just my life is a little bit crazy. Um, <laughs> but, but the one thing that I constantly do, um, is I, I have consistently like listened to podcasts. Um, cause I usually do it like we just went commuting or i like, I can bike into work. Um, and so that's always a time where I'm like listening to podcasts and uh, I just like l- have really started to love it a lot more. Um, and it's been something new. So I mean with just with doing video, um, and doing it for, for client work, I've been trying to said all right, I need to be doing more things for me that I'm like excited about that are different. Um, right, man. yeah. And, and it just, and this podcast was a great way of connecting with people without having to do as having it be such a heavy, heavy load in terms of like editing and, and that sort of thing. Right. Absolutely. Um, and so, yeah. And so I've been, I've been editing a lot, but then, so I, I started and then as a result, I ended up doing a podcast, um, for, for USAID in the fall, um, where I actually got paid to do a podcast. And so, so in some ways I kind of viewed it more as like a validator, like, yes, I can do a podcast and I've run them before. And, <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah. So I think in some ways it's kind of hard to make podcasts for yourself, but it is something that you can offer to other people. Um, where like, hey, you want to run a podcast and kind of present yourself as the expert versus directly monetizing off of your podcast, right? Um, so that's where it's just kind of that, and you have to be able to get it to a workflow where you can do it with relatively low like amounts of work. Um, and so, and so, I, I was able to bring someone on just as a contractor who who interned for me, who has been editing some of them because it it was just a time like I'd I'd would, I would shoot it or record it and then. Inevitably, I wouldn't get it out on time. And so I was like, you know, I need to start paying someone to do this. And once I did, it was like, oh, wow. And then I can still edit a few of them myself, like here and there, but it's easier to bring more like energy to it. Cause I'm like, oh, I could edit this one
0: versus after like every week or whatever it is. Do it. Dude, I feel like um, I'm in the same boat where I'll go out and record footage and then it just sits and I don't do anything with it. Right. And that's why I love, um, what I've started doing since December, which is trying to commit to put out. All right, at first it was daily content, um, but then that's I, up with a full time job. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So then I realized I couldn't actually put out daily content. So I've scaled back to about um, three to f- three posts per week, and um, and what I realized was that like you get you get really good at putting stuff out, but at the same time I'm beating myself up because. I understand now that if I'm not putting stuff out um then I'm not creating anything. Like if no one sees it, it doesn't happen. Yeah. It didn't happen, you know? Like yeah. and and what I would do is I would just like make all these plans, like that podcast I told you about. I would just like make this whole business plan and everything, but it was basically just like um God, like like making sandcastles, yeah. you know? <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It doesn't go anywhere. And um, uh, my wife and I were eating out uh, over the weekend. And this guy was just walking around with a camera filming stuff at the restaurant we were at. And I was watching him shoot. And I was just like, you know, just being like, real judgy and hypercritical in my (laughs) thinking and just like, man, I wouldn't get that shot. Like, I would probably shoot it that way. But the very next day, he like sent me a link to what he made. And he had already put it up online. Like yeah. he'd already edited a sizzler together, already put it up online, and I'm like, all right, that guy's winning. You know yeah. what I mean? Like like and and I'm just being silly, being judgy in my in my head, but really I'm just mad at the fact that I'm not out there creating, you know? Yeah. And so that's what I it's just funny that we um we will sit on things and not actually like get it put, out. Yeah, exactly. So Kudos to you, man, for doing this. This is awesome. Yeah, and and that's been one of my goals, too, for
1: this year. We well, even starting last year was, like, I want to produce more content for me. So not constantly doing as much client work, which I definitely had been doing a lot of. Um, but I I just really wanted to say, like, you know, I want to produce stuff that, that, like, I really want to do that I'm excited about. Um and so and like for example, I went on we went on a vacation out, out west in last year and and then I was just was like, I'm gonna do all this like shooting. But then I, I realized that well, so so I was going out and I had my, my pelican case and like this hitchhole, this like thing that attaches to your back of the back behind your car. And, and my audio recorder actually like burnt up because I had the pelican case too close to the exhaust. <laughs> and so it like like the next morning like that <laughs> night I was like, What is that smell? Is that my brakes? And in the morning oh I God. came out. And my pelican case had like a burnt a hole in it. My battery pack inside had burned out. And then my 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 audio recorder was just like charred, <laughs> smithereens a lot. So it was like about, I lost about a thousand dollars of stuff. But these these uh the the mic survived happily. I love
0: you're nonchalant about it. That's know, just thousand dollars well, of
1: stuff. I know. I'm like I've gotten over <laughs> it now. But and it, it was my wireless mics, my Sennheiser like G3s that, that I didn't really use that much. Um, Ooh. Yeah, those, those ones got... Those, but if the recorder was the one that... Do I, have, oh yeah, I do have it here. Hold on. I have it in a Ziploc bag to contain the...
0: The smell? Or so, the remains? The remains.
1: <laughs> that is awesome! Is my first audio recorder. No, the first Zoom. That is awesome. I think I'm going <laughs> to mount it on a wall somewhere. The SD card's still in there, I think.
0: You know how they do those... Um, when someone dies, they'll put the roses in the glass box yeah yeah Yeah, you should put that in a glass box and just hang it on your your (laughs) all
1: right now it's time to jump into the book the interview where we dive into the seven basic story plots hey bryce uh welcome to the podcast it's great to have you on board i know uh the last time we met you know in person at least was at one of the the story conferences uh in nashville tennessee so a little shout out to um I think it's what Harris the third, um, started, started the story, brand, uh, the story conference as just a great place to, to meet people and bump into each other. And I know when I was uh, thinking through people, you came to mind as we had, I think, yeah, we had grabbed lunch together uh, at the conference, got talking about story. Um, you know, kind of been, you know, seeing your stuff on social media and then uh, just reached out. And so, um, thanks for being on the podcast. And I would love to hear a little bit about, uh, I know, you know, you got started video, but also I know we have great things in store with regarding story and story structure, but w- I would just love to hear a little bit about um, how you got started. Like, what was that moment for you when you were like, oh, I want to get into story or video de- production?
0: Oh, man. Well, video production was Legos. Legos? All right. Yeah. So, like, but- I bu- grew up building Legos, and in middle school, there was this um, technology class that had these Lego stations nice. in them. And, um, and then so I took that class just so I could go to school to play with Legos because why not? Why not? Yeah. <laughs> and then at high school, that that class became the technology class where then they taught uh, video production. um But getting into storytelling. With, it all started with Legos then. Yeah, exactly. It all started with Legos. And it's kind of fascinating though because like there actually is a, a really close correlation between like Building Legos, the process of putting them together, of like having this vision of I want a spaceship. And then you then start with these blocks and you're stacking these blocks on top of each other to build a spaceship. Honestly, sometimes it feels like the same thing when I'm editing, because you have these tracks. <laughs> Got your little stacks and uh yeah. And layers. Yeah, exactly. Like sometimes I have these weird deja vu moments. I'm like, whoa, that was crazy. <laughs> I had the green ones down below and Yeah. But uh so storytelling, I became fascinated with storytelling um, when, when I was working at story Driven and we made a trip out to Nashville. And this was actually the first time I went to Nashville um, in 2015. And we went to Donald Miller's uh, building a story brand conference.
1: Oh, you guys went to the conference back in like 2015? So you were, yeah. you were early adopters then, I guess.
0: Yes, yeah, that was, it that was early on. It was super early on. That was when he was still doing stuff in Franklin. There were like maybe um 30, 40 people in the room. Like, now I know that he like packs the room out. I've seen like I go to his website, I see like the, the footage where they have like multiple tables and everything, and it's just like it was a little bit more more chill when we went. Um but the information was definitely, definitely the same. And that was when He's, he basically started talking about like, introduced me to story structure. That was when I was introduced to the hero's journey. And, and I remember like, there was a moment when, when I was like taking a bathroom break and I was just, you know, you have one of those, like one of those God moments where you're just like, this has literally changed my life. Like my life is like irreversibly different after this weekend it was awesome. And that's what it was like. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what it was like. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, great. So so from there, then, did you go into... Uh, what was that process in terms of, you know, with work? And so I know you're working in the video space, but how did you start to change, you know, how you approach story then within in the kind of storytelling and within the video creation?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So basically, my whole goal was to try to eliminate all the pain that I experienced in my early career of making video, right? Like, um, I wanted to eliminate the pain of dealing with clients. I wanted to eliminate the pain of, um, of being in revision hell. I wanted to eliminate that embarrassment when I put too much faith into, into my tools, you know, like, and I wanted to be able to like have a little bit more creative control over the projects that I, that I was working on you know? Um, And what I started to notice is, especially when we started focusing on keywords, um, you had to ask a lot more questions at the beginning to really try to figure out what you're actually making in order to understand what keywords you would be using. So that way that could drive your creative. And something very interesting started happening when we started asking more questions was that people we actually started getting more creative input when we started asking them questions about what they wanted like
1: kind of getting them to imagine what they wanted to be doing
0: yeah yeah and and it was and it was pretty cool like and and so talking about like how Nathan started teaching me about servant leadership and service like we realized that there's this fundamental interesting thing that started happening when we stopped focusing on on chasing gear and chasing these selfish interests of video, we actually started focusing on let's actually help these clients get the best possible video we can make for them. When we started approaching it from that position, like they actually, we then started getting more creative input into the projects we were making because in a very interesting way, you're now starting to see that your clients have a pain point and they have a problem that they need to solve. And they're coming to me because I'm the expert to actually solve that problem for them. And because I know that I'm going to solve that problem for them, I'm now asking different questions at the onset of that project that is allowing them to start establishing that trust with me. And and then they're, they're understanding, they're seeing me as someone who is alleviating that pain that they're feeling, rather than this tactician that they're having to art direct,
1: yeah, or that you're providing just a luxury item that's you know flashy but
0: doesn't actually solve a problem. Yeah, exactly. And and what I realized is like Nathan would always say like, man, Bryce asks good questions. And and I was just like, man, the only reason I'm asking good questions is because I don't want to get stuck in ten revision cycles and they're still not happy. Like I would much rather figure out exactly what they what they want, like exactly how I need to, what I need to make and be as informed as possible. So that way, when I give it to them, they're going to accept it within the first three revisions. Like that, that's my ultimate, my ultimate goal. Um, man, I totally lost my, my train of thought there. Um,
1: no. And, and so with that, no, I definitely, cause I've definitely been there too, where you just, you have a lot of, of, of going back and forth or, you know, I kind of like to call it, you know, revision purgatory. Cause it's like, Hey, maybe if I, if I pray enough, I'll get out of here eventually here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but going back and forth, but it it's really comes down to being able to kind of define beforehand what you're hoping to do, um, you know, before you even start, start filming anything. And um, you know, the last thing you want to do is on the back end try to find, um, Oh, we'll figure it out later. And, you know, we'll just pray and spray and, film everything we have and then we can can bring the story back. Um, But it's, it's more being more intentional about it, being more, more strategic about it. Right. No, I know there's, there's a few of kind of different story frameworks. So I think as a creative at times you like to think, Oh, I'm everything I'm doing is completely original and everything like that. But I mean, the truth is there is a lot there was stories, you know, there's not that many story types out there. Um, and and how do you usually look at those the story tales? I know we'd previously kind of been talked about that a little bit. How do yeah, you yeah, yeah. how do you view those the story structures and, and how do they fit other like specific industries they fit into well?
0: Yes, yes. All right. So let me get into that. Sorry. Okay, cool. So all right. So before I jump into that, what I want to talk about is like first you have to f- to figure out like there's the the one story that we're all telling over and over again. And that ultimately is the hero's journey. Right. Which interestingly is this um, the quest format of the seven plot archetypes. But, you know, the and and that was why Donald Miller's um, conference was just so awesome is because like I just realized that if I could templatize the approach, you know, like it would speed up everything. It would help us to make better decisions so that way we wouldn't have to reinvent the wheel Every single time, and we could actually focus on making the best possible story that we could. We were working out of a co-working space and two doors down were these guys who were making couches right and they showed me their workshop and in their workshop they had made all of these custom templates to help them make this very specific couch and I just like looked at that and I was so inspired because I'm like, if you can do that for physical products why couldn't you do that for a story for their
1: digital products yeah
0: yeah exactly and and if you do it for digital why not why not for a story you know i i trained as a painter for for like a couple years and and there's a specific process that the classical painters would use so so i i had already understood that like you can apply process to the creative practice right and and then basically you just kind of go on autopilot, so you can focus more on getting great shots, um, asking amazing questions, rather than this war that you have when you're at the edit, right? And this is what I mentioned when we had our when we had our first call is that there's this moment when you're on the edit and you've been struggling for like hours trying to figure the story out, and suddenly the story clicks, right? And you get this surge aha moment yeah you get this huge aha moment you get this surge of just like oh man like it feels great right and and then you're like oh my gosh this is the best thing ever and then everything starts going really fast and i feel like psychologically what we start doing is we actually associate that moment that it only happens in the edit room right and that was why when i was at the story conference, and I had that, that, that this is amazing moment is because I realized that you can figure out the story before you get to the edit, that you can know the story before you get to the edit. You don't have to wait to the edit to know the story, which means that you can figure those things out before you start the whole process, which means that whole moment of struggle doesn't need to be there yeah. that, you know, your you know, your outline, you know, your template before you ever get there. So, so like once we went to, to the story brand conference, this was when we started understanding, okay, this is, this is what we're going to be using. This is the story. And it's basically how, how Donald Miller sums it up is you have a, a hero, right? Who has a problem and he finds a guide who the guide is identified through empathy and authority Right. So it's someone you can trust and someone you can listen to because they've been there before, who provides that hero with a plan that calls them to action and which will end in either failure or success. And the ultimate conclusion is transformation of the hero. Right. Yeah. I just, I
1: people want character transformation or else why would you, why would you watch it?
0: Exactly. We we want to see transformation. We buy transformation in the products that we invest in. Like we're never really buying the product; we're buying the transformation that that product gives you. You know, yeah, like wh-
1: what's going to help you become?
0: Yeah, like I bought this microphone specifically because I would become a podcaster with this microphone, right? Like, like that was why I made that I made that gear choice. So, so we we understood it's like okay now we understand that these stories actually have a structure. And, and then as, and I was, I was then in a position of the, the quote, story mentor at story driven where, where I was doing, doing less of the, less of the editing, I was more so guiding, guiding our team on how to construct the stories, which was phenomenal being able to like, remove yourself so you could actually see and it forced me to really start thinking about the decisions I was making as I was doing them and what I realized is is this thing that I would do when I would make music selections I would find the emotional arc of the story and and I started understanding that stories actually had emotional arcs and it became more obvious to me when I had to communicate that to to my teammate. So that way they could see that for themselves. Right. And, and so there would be moments where we would, we would finish the, the initial edit. And before I actually took this approach, what would, what I usually would do would, would be, I would throw, I would find music first, throw the music down, then populate the footage on top of the music, right. And try to, and try to build the story that way. So what this forced us to do was you lay down the the interview first, right? You find the cadence, the natural cadence that the people have in their speech. It's what I call the inherent rhythm of the piece, right? So you're looking for that inherent rhythm of the piece. You allow that to be to be the sort of the beat, and that becomes your spine instead of your song. And then when you w- go to find the music, you want that music to really be the the salt and the spices. You want that, that to that be
1: reflection, the
0: reflection, no.: Yeah. You want it to be the flavor. You don't want it to be the 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 meat and the potatoes. So there is this one very interesting moment where I'm working with Indabe, and he was editing this film. It was a it you know it was just like a, a short about this. I I hope I can re- remember this correctly because this is important. It's about this missionary right who grew up in Cuba, moved away from Cuba and became a, no 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 he grew up in let's say he grew up in Guatemala moved away from Guatemala to Cuba to become a doctor with all these aspirations of becoming rich and he was making money but then his brother gets shot and he has to fly back to his home hometown his home village because his brother is like is like I think he was like on his deathbed or something and I think his like brother's dying wish was for that guy to to help help the people in his village to use what he he had been trained to do in medicine to to help the village and so then he ended up doing that he ends up like setting up this this clinic there and helps everybody there you know there by finding that this 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 more like inner spiritual fulfillment as opposed to chasing after these the material things
1: that, that, that was like the story arc
0: yeah, and that was a story arc. And we just figured that out. And so we mapped it out. We were like, okay, so it starts with him sort of low. You know, you you draw this axis, this um, this emotional axis where it's like, it's like positive emotions, negative emotions, neutral is your is your baseline. And you then yeah, exactly. And then you just kind of like we would arc it out from there of like, okay, you start a little bit below neutral because he's in this impoverished thing. All right, then it, then he goes up because then he gets to Cuba, is making money, brother gets shot, it's a straight line down, and then, then he then slowly starts to figure out his own power, and then boom, he's got this missionary clinic back in his hometown. So we drew it out together, and I'm like, okay, you're probably going to need a couple different songs, you're going to need one that like has a slow sort of ramp up into positivity, and then we should probably like do a dead stop there, find another song that is more emotional and heart tugging, you know? And so, so I, we drew it out. I'm like, okay, go we'll find those songs. And we had this book on our shelves, Booker's Seven Basic Plots. This is a mammoth book. It's seriously like two inches thick. It's massive. And because of that, I never actually read it. And like, so this I is was too big. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, you know, what? today's the day I'm actually going to break you open. And so I break it open and I turn it to rags to riches right and i read it and i swear man this this was the second time that i had these one whoa my life is like irreversibly changed because rags to riches the plot archetype was point for point the story we had just arced out
1: he spent a lot of time discovering
0: yeah and it was like person who who starts from nothing builds up to initial success which they call the dream but the word the world is then is then crashed down because the dream breaks and they entered into this into this nightmare state where they realize that that actually wasn't the riches they were looking for so they they end up I think they end up like even less than they started because now they had this taste of something and now they're worse off but then they find this own inner strength and end up um, establishing their dominion and their own personal kingdom right and it just like literally blew me away because i was like oh my gosh you know we didn't even we didn't even read the book until only after we mapped out the the story arc right and and we thought we were being clever by figuring this out on our own <laughs> right
1: yeah we were like oh we spent all this time figuring it out it's like all right no this you could have easily just been, what kind of story is this?
0: Right, exactly. And so that was the thing when I realized it's like, this is legit. Like there is actually something to this. And uh, what I understood then is exactly what you said. Like, had I known this, well, it was more of like, I can now know this ahead of time. If this actually is true, because now this is, I'm I'm now a, com- a convert by this moment, you know, like I'm like yes because there's absolutely no way that that this isn't this isn't the case like it it just it let me know that one there's no originality you know like like there's there's no we we basically no original story plot yeah well i mean but even originality in its essence like we're just innovating what came before us we're constantly being influenced by by other things and we just take that remix it into something different to make something that is novel and quote unique but there's not really like what has happened before is just keeps happening and is going to happen again you know that's that's what i feel and and it's actually that that mindset that helped me more immediately understand this and just and just grab hold of it and run with it And I'm glad that I did, but so, so that that's when I started actually studying each of these plots and each of these plot archetypes and the plot archetypes are overcoming the monster rags to riches, voyage and return, the quest, comedy, tragedy, and rebirth. And those are the seven basic plots that Booker goes over in his book. And he adds two more at the end. I forget what the two want. One's mystery and the other one is something else, but those essentially are the seven basic plots. And that was just like, that just, that was game changing to me. Just because I realized that this legit now seriously changes everything because now I don't, now it's not just, oh, let's try to figure out the themes of the story. Let's try to focus on keywords. Now it's literally like, I just need to figure out what story plot we're telling and once i can figure out what story plot we're telling i know what questions to ask in the interview you know like you can then understand how you want to shoot it because you know like what you need them to say to tell you the best story you know the emotional arcs you're going to you're going to hit so you know how to frame those questions and ask those questions so you get the emotional arc you know it just like
1: it just helps when you know what your what story you're trying to tell from the beginning
0: exactly man and then we watched this uh, we watched this really interesting course by alex bloomberg uh the guy who he started gimlet media and he was talking about like storytelling but podcast storytelling and part of his process was pre-interview phone calls and so i saw that and i was like well that's smart <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. We yeah, should that, be that, adding that in. <laughs> so we started adding in pre-interview phone calls because then that helped us understand, like, okay, now we're getting. Not only are we building rapport with our with our story subject, and we're we're establishing that that line of communication and that trust with them, but we're also now being able to figure out, like, I can figure out in more detail exactly what story I'm going to tell, without having to get them to tell me their entire story on that pre-interview phone call. Cause I tried to avoid getting them to tell me everything on the phone call because it, if you have to repeat a story twice, it's never as good the second time.
1: Yeah. Like, just, you kind of want the preliminary basics, but not, not the entire story.
0: Right. Especially if you're, if you're giving the, um, the emotional depth, right? Yeah. Like, like you don't really want to dig to the emotional depth one if they if it's a premium review phone call they don't really trust you and i felt like it taints that territory so the next time you go in there again it's tainted and you're not going to get that that raw vulnerability that you would that you could have possibly got if it's the first time you've actually asked it so but that's why i love the the story archetypes because If you just understand all of the story archetypes and you know them, you're basically now acting like a detective. You don't need them to tell you their entire story because you can kind of, one, pick up from things that the client has told you about them, and then two, help to flesh in certain details about their story to really make sure, yes, this is a rebirth story. Because certain archetypes are similar enough that you need a little bit more details to separate them. Things that are similar are like uh, the quest, overcoming the monster, and uh, rebirth can be somewhat similar to each other. If you're not actually sure, like
1: which one it is,
0: yeah. Well, if it's like a cancer survivor story, right? Mm, yeah. Is that is that rebirth or is that overcoming the monster?
1: Yeah, where cancer's the monster.
0: Exactly. So it's kind of like, but if I get into a little bit more details about this person's specific experience, then I understand how to frame that story. And I don't understand from their perspective, which one it actually was. Yeah. You know,
1: so whether to them, it felt like, because that's, that's a good way to look at it is, is figure out to, in their mind, psychologically, did it feel more like cancer was this, this monster or did it feel more like them becoming a new person? But not not so much facing this, this this giant monster.
0: yeah man and that's what actually you brought up a really really big thing there the the phrase like figuring out from their mind what I understood is like story is empathy like that, that connection absolutely. I mean, it's what connects us. There, it was really interesting we did this um, we did a story about autism research and when we researched autism, You know, one of the things you, you, one of the things I've learned was that they have a hard time engaging and relating to other people, right? And interestingly, their, their story and their own personal identity, like they have a hard time formulating that compared to how we're able to formulate our own story. So, so it was really interesting how like stories not only connect us, but, but they're how, we relate to each other. They're how we form our own identity and how that identity is is defined in relation to other people. And it's all like, it's all empathy. Like to the degree that you can empathize with someone is is the degree at which how great you, of a storyteller you can be. So that that ability
1: to connect and feel what they're feeling.
0: Right. And then like, like if you care about somebody, you care about somebody very deeply, they're going to feel that and they're going to understand that that they can trust you. And because of that, they're going to open up because now you're being vulnerable with them. You're showing them that you actually have compassion. You care about them. You care about shepherding this story that you're telling, like shepherding their story that you're telling when they understand that. And they, they believe you then the, the, it just becomes that much more authentic, that much more human. You know, you're blessed from that experience because you've now, formed a greater connection with them you can't just you can't just take these as like a template and be like oh it's gonna it's, it's gonna, gonna be, be great. this yeah yeah because you have you have to have a hu- you have to be a human being and actually care that's really what the differentiating factor is um, no, that's great so so with your your personal journey um what was that
1: like from going i know you were kind of working with nathan and, you know, working with him. and But what was that process of like of running the business in terms of being part of a production company? I know you had, you know, several award-winning pieces um, yeah. that kind of came out as a result of that. Was it in part directly because you understood the, the story structure that, that you ha- did have a little more of that success with producing some of the pieces? Or did, was it kind of at the same time?
0: I think, it, I think in major part, it was a blessing by being under Nathan's leadership of of being able to be in that position where we could create award-winning work, where we, where we had specific client relationships that, that trusted our ability to tell these stories. And then I feel like the process that we created really allowed us to hone and focus in on these stories specifically. So that way, you know, we were able to, to gain the trust that we needed to gain and to, and exactly like you said, like, understand and be laser focused in on exactly what the story is that we're trying to tell, which allowed us to do that. So this is one thing that I found was like, super fascinating was that from a marketing perspective, right, which I feel like all of us are working in marketing, it's how we're able to do what we what we do, we're B2B business vendors, you know, and we are. Hopefully. We're servicing our clients because we're helping them tell their stories so they can build awareness and, or, um, or generate sales or whatever. So what I, what I found super interesting was not only are we telling the same stories over and over and over again, but certain industries gravitate towards certain story archetypes and they, they kind of favor certain story archetypes over others. So even though we we tell the same seven stories all the time, it's really the same six archetypes are really the only ones that we use from a marketing perspective. It's very rare you're going to use a tragedy, right? Yeah. Unless, of course, you're doing like a political hate ad or something. (laughs) (laughs) And that would
1: be an example, yep. I can see that. Yeah.
0: So like, okay, healthcare, for example. We just went over the three from, from healthcare. So healthcare really liked using... Rebirth, I feel like that was like one of the biggest ones was was rebirth for healthcare. Overcoming the monster was a really close second. Uh, Voyage and return, especially from a patient perspective of having to voyage and return is the Alice in Wonderland story. So like going through some sort of like a diagnostic odyssey or finding out that you have some sort of illness, but but you can't figure out like what's causing it. Finally discovering, oh, this is. This is what's causing it. Here's the treatment. Now I'm better. You know, like, like that confusion that patients feel. That's why voyage and return is super good for that, from the doctor side. So, like, if you're telling a story from the perspective of a doctor, and these also work. These archetypes work really well for, say, academia research, right? Uh, the quest. That's a that's a big one that they love because that's the the hero is chasing this treasure and knows exactly what he's going to go get and so he goes on this journey to to find this treasure encounters a bunch of of obstacles along the way gets a bunch of uh, uh friends to help him you know his the 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 other doctors and and scientific minds that add their insight to the problem and then they they get it right they yeah. they get this this magical trinket that they're going after so so that was what I found interesting is like if you actually study these these things you can actually understand like oh this is a this is a story about a startup most likely we're telling a rags to riches we're either going to be telling a rags to riches or, or a quest that,
1: <laughs> yeah, in that case they don't have tragedy. any money so you're probably not telling the tragedy <laughs> <laughs> well, We're going to bring that one back in can, We're going to bring it back in yeah <laughs>
0: So yeah, so the yeah, like, so I I also found that that was like super fascinating. So if, like to your listeners, that's why it's it's that's why I I love these things is because they they really help you make these snap decisions about it. And it's more than just the book. They actually did a research study. It was researchers from the University of Vermont and these guys out of a university in Australia where they actually hooked people up and mapped their emotional state as they read several stories and they deduced not seven, but six emotional arcs that, that they were literally able to measure based on neuroscience. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Kurt Vonnegut also figured this out too. He's got a really funny video on YouTube that I'll send you the link to where he, he just draws on a chalkboard the different arcs of Of famous stories, he draws five, like four, of them. No, no, that yeah, that's helpful to kind of understand the the how different
1: types of stories uh, do come out in several industries, and how just kind of being aware of that beforehand uh, can be can can definitely be extremely helpful.
0: Right, because you can. All right, if you know it beforehand, you get to reverse engineer all of your questions.
1: Right. You know, so you're not trying to stab in the dark, hoping you can come up with what someone's story is, but you can actually know this beforehand and kind of engineer them to you know, all right, well, we need to understand, we're going to start off with what they want to accomplish or where they're going or, you know, what is it that they're facing?
0: Exactly. And then the really cool thing was not only can you reverse engineer the, the questions so that way you understand, okay, these are the right questions I want to ask. But now that you've got them basically outlined out, I would go one step further and arrange my questions and ask them in a specific order in the interview so that way i could start that way i basically turned my interview into a story arc in and of itself so i would make sure that the interview would start on a very positive note slowly take us into an a deep emotional space and then bring us out into a more positive space you don't want to like (laughs) hit the interview with with him in tears be like all right Thanks for talking. Thanks for talking. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Appreciate oh, you
0: bearing your soul to me. Have a good one. You Have know, a good that, one. Yep. That would be awful. So, um, so that was so that was like really cool because you could go in being like, okay, this is exactly what we need to grab, and then that then since you know, you know what they're going to be talking about, so you can be more intentional with like the shots you're going to grab, but you also now know like, all right this footage is going to happen at this moment of the story. And they're going to be, our audience is going to be, they're going on this emotional journey with us because that's the ride we're taking them on. So we now need to shoot this stuff in this specific way. So that way it communicates that emotional flavor. Yeah, definitely. So if I you see, see like, well, and, and like a lot of documentary scripts, you'll have the, the, it'll be two columns, right? Or two, two, is that columns? Are the vertical ones columns? Yeah, columns. Yes, yep. So you've got the AV side of your script. So it's like, okay, this is what we want them to say. And then you've got the visual side of your script. Like, these are the shots we were going to get. I just started adding a third row, a third column to that where this is the emotions they're going on at this moment in time. Oh, well, that's a good idea. Put, put the extra emotion column over there on the right. Yeah, exactly. And then you, you show that to a client. They're like, whoa that's amazing you know and especially when they when they actually can then see that too and and then they realize like they literally delivered on what they said they were going to deliver on and you're like yes yeah and it's like yeah because there's a inherent structure to this there's almost like a physics to this stuff if you can literally design it that way so that way you're no longer trying to fight that in the edit you're just making sure that you're making that unfold in its most natural way
1: no well it sounds good i mean it has been great talking with you bryce and so i know you said you are starting uh, you know own agency and so you said nabisco workshop
0: napisodic workshop
1: napisodic okay so um, well, i think what's well, because being late.
0: because i'm a ding dong and and i put <laughs> and i made a complicated word but um so i've actually that i've actually been going into youtube into the youtube tags and um and tagging it nabisco workshop in case someone accidentally searches for that <laughs> so like yeah so napisodic. You can find me on, okay. yeah napisodic it's mcNab plus episodic so n a b i s oh, okay. nabis hold on i can't even like spell my own thing n a b i s in the show notes o d i c yeah workshop <laughs> All right. Sounds good. And do you find, are you putting most of your content
1: there on, on there, LinkedIn or what, what platform do you find you're putting most of your stuff on?
0: So I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn and YouTube right now. Okay, so, great. Yeah. So I'm trying to do, I'm trying to practice a, um, a multi-platform content approach as a sort of like meta, um, meta proof of concept that I can then show, show other people. It's like, Hey, this is, this is what I'm talking about. You take one, one video, but then you optimize it for your various platforms.
1: Yeah, in, in different ways.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: No, and I think sometimes you just one of the best examples is that you know for for people who are wanting to do something that you know the best I heard advice I heard from it was like you know John Paget who had an interview. Um, a few episodes back where he's like you know just start doing what you want to be paid to be doing and eventually someone will, will pay you for it but don't yeah. don't go around thinking oh i would love to be doing this but but you're not you're not doing it so no one knows that you can do something
0: all right that okay you just hit a a, a sort of like spot for me there it's okay especially if we're video creators right like why wouldn't we use our own marketing material as an opportunity to practice and do proof of concept pieces as we promote ourselves you know it's it's funny to me how few of us will actually like put in the time and effort to create something for ourselves ourselves yeah and the, the cool thing is it's a meta project it's both spec work as well as marketing material you know like it doesn't make sense why you would Ask the client to put up all the risk without them seeing that you can actually do something. So with the last
1: part of the podcast, we're gonna jump into a little more content strategy, specifically talking about LinkedIn and how it really is an underutilized platform that has a lot of potential. So so I'd love for you as you think through your strategy, like what has been your your personal strategy as you're kind of branching out making the
0: company? Where have you found that you tend to to focus your efforts? So Gary Vaynerchuk, he has been talking about going on LinkedIn really hard, right? So my initial strategy for my agency brand was let me do a giant LinkedIn campaign, right? And then, and LinkedIn would be the core focus of that. And then I would cross populate other platforms like Instagram and, and YouTube, but my big push would be LinkedIn because it's all the rave and what I've noticed was that I have not been getting much engagement at all from my posts as a brand. And um, and then what happened was Gary Vaynerchuk just posted a post recently about Kobe Bryant's death, right? Which is, I mean, I'm not a basketball fan, but that stuff like really, yeah, it, it really hurt just... It wasn't just him, it was his daughter,
1: you know? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, just tragic.
0: So like I'm waking up my son at, on Monday morning and I'm literally like tears in my eyes waking him up because just the thought of like going on my commute and never making it home was just way too much for me to handle. And And so I post that. I comment, I reply to his post and I comment that and that comment got like 25 likes and like, four people connected with me after that comment and it like exploded. I'm like, I had, (laughs) I was not, that is not what I was trying to do. Right. So the insight I gathered from that and it, it, so one thing, it irritated me first off because a comment on someone else's post is getting more engagement than two months of daily content from my own personal, from my company brand. Right. (laughs) So like those things are getting like maybe it's It's getting one like every time because my cousin is super supportive of what I'm doing, and he likes all of my stuff, right? And yeah,
1: okay, thank you, cousin.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then it's like, but what I realized in that moment was like LinkedIn, it's it really it's about user intent, right? So like people are coming on LinkedIn. They're not coming to engage with a brand. They're coming on LinkedIn because they want to engage with another human being. I think they actually want to have a genuine connection, not just a LinkedIn connection. And and the fact that I was vulnerable, they they responded immediately to that vulnerability and 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 it created this this like whirlwind of support, right? And so that that was my immediate insight. And now I'm switching my strategy from let me build up my agency brand on LinkedIn to let me build up my personal brand on LinkedIn and, and let me just be my genuine authentic self because i now think that people are there to really connect with other people. And I'm going to now be, be focusing more on developing my, my brand on Instagram and YouTube, which is where when you go to those places, you actually want to engage with brands on Instagram and YouTube. Because those are those more those are the more polished platforms. Um, have you seen the Dolly Parton challenge memes going around lately?
1: Uh, no, no, I haven't. Uh, probably because I haven't spent enough time on social media. But <laughs> ah, okay.
0: So that all right. That is a fantastic case study for for you to study because what it does is it has this quadrant of photos. So Dolly Parton challenge. Bring that up right now so you can you can get a pretty interesting. Um, View of it. But what I love about that is it gives you a snapshot insight into the different social contexts of the different social platforms. And that's why they're funny because they <laughs> have like the picture of LinkedIn, Facebook, yeah. Instagram, Tinder, right? And so yeah. LinkedIn is like this headshot, you know, clean looking. Instagram, I mean, Facebook is like this grungy. I'm taking on a cell phone. I'm with my family photo or am I, I'm still in my pajamas photo. Uh, Instagram is like this hyper polished glossy photo that is like super ticky tacky fake, but looks beautiful. And then Tinder is like, yeah. put some clothes on, you know? And, and so, but that snap judgment, that's why it's funny because it's telling you these truths of how people, what people are expecting to see on these different platforms. Which yeah. is why we can't make videos for a single, we can't just make a single video anymore and expect that that's going to work and are and that they're going to work on all these different platforms, because that video is not going to get the engagement that it's going to get. And no, so definitely. And so, it could, context is everything, and that's why you have to understand like what, and that's why it helps on the on the um, content strategy aspect. Is As you've got it. We have to study this. Because we have to be almost like ethnographers, anthropologists, right? Yeah, definitely. About these different platforms and give people what they're expecting. Otherwise, you look like a guy wearing a suit to a cookout. If you're trying to put put one content for one platform on another platform and thinking it's going to work.
1: No, it, it definitely just come across really, really weird.
0: Yeah, super weird. But you have to look you have to allow yourself to look stupid so you can start figuring this out. So you can start testing things to to then understand what's actually going to get the most traction.
1: No, that that definitely makes sense. But being able to understand those things, um, you know, behind the scenes and even it is interesting with with the challenges, seeing how Facebook is like a lot more like, oh, family shots or, you know, w- which is definitely how I have tended to use it more where, no, you know, that's where I, family is on, you know, Facebook more. And, um, but LinkedIn is more like, all right, how do I view it more as that carefully polished group and you know what that looks like.
0: Right. And so, so that you actually brought up good things. So now what I realized is I haven't started, I haven't started my Facebook strategy yet because I was still trying to figure it out, but that's why it's like the beauty of this Dolly Parton challenge happening while I was, while I'm now deciding what to do is I'm realizing, cause I've got a bunch of behind the scenes footage of me, like, putting this whole studio together that I filmed over the summer, but I haven't done anything with it yet. And I'm like, I think Facebook is a great place to put all of that content, all that behind the scenes, like, less polished, more real, more, this is, this is me with with the, um, like, you know, with the veil up, you know, whatever. So, so that's helped me understand, okay, let me put that stuff, that stuff there, try that out, see if that works
1: man it's definitely about figuring out that strategy who you're trying to connect with what you're trying to communicate and um you know kind of kind of view that whole process
0: right because it's like we can ask the proper questions when we begin a project with a client right like we can we can figure out all the things and make them feel feel like we know what we're doing and make them trust us but if then what we create actually doesn't deliver that doesn't bode well for us you know so so that's why it's like important for us to then figure out these different contexts and understand and then doing our own basically being on the front and doing our own testing with our own content and but have fun with it you know like i'm making poster designs because it's it's hilarious and i and i and i think it's fun and it's like that sort of like rebellious um side of myself i'm making these like anti-corporate posters because I think it's funny. And I know that everybody actually doesn't really enjoy the corporate bureaucracy anyway. So it's it's, it's kind of like giving them permission to laugh at it too, you yeah. know, so. no sounds good. Well, you know, thanks for, so much for that tip there in terms of just thinking through the,
1: the platform and viewing that yes, you absolutely wouldn't want to put the exact same thing on all, all platforms. But inevitably what people do is like, oh, well, we have this and okay, I guess we should post here and um, kind of do without really taking the time to think through know, what is their strategy? What does it look like? And you know, what, what are they kind of hoping to to accomplish?
0: Right, man. Um, Gary Vaynerchuk actually put out a deck, it was like a um, this like 270 page deck where he, he kind of explains that and he talks about how he ch- he changes the copy he uses for different posts based on what platform he's in. So he'll yep. use like more professional copy on Instagram, and like, I mean, on LinkedIn and, and more like laid back, chill stuff on Instagram. It's pretty, it's pretty interesting when you actually start thinking about it from that perspective of like, oh yeah, I have to contextualize this to the different audiences.
1: No, that's definitely very important. And I'll have to include that, the link to the, um, in the show notes
0: too. So yeah. I'm gonna, is there a way for me to like chat you stuff? There we go. Sweet. I'll probably just all have right. to send you an email afterwards so I can like send you all these links. Cause I feel like I mentioned a lot of stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, well thanks so much for, for going through all
1: those uh, steps and thanks again for, for being on the podcast.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Wesley. All right. That wraps up another
1: episode with Bryce McNabb. I know after our preliminary interview, I even started taking the concepts of the seven basic plot structures and at taking it into account when looking through stories that I was producing. And already that has definitely made a, di- a difference in my life with just having that clarity of, oh, this is what I'm producing and this is how I want the story to go. And it's definitely made a big difference. As, as creatives, we definitely need frameworks in our lives. We need structure frameworks to help us be creative and not feel like we have to go all the way back to, to square one with everything. And understanding this from the very beginning is just so helpful. Also, i loved his his breakdown at the end with how he fused content and the importance of just keep producing content as his, the story he shared of the uh being at the restaurant seeing the guy shooting something and being a little you know judgmental only to realize that guess what he was the one who was get, getting the content out there who was was putting it out there and it wasn't just sitting on a hard drive somewhere and so whatever you're doing just start producing stuff and whether you're an artist or or whatever it is, start producing stuff, and uh, don't worry about it being perfect. Keep improving and keep doing iterations, but don't worry about having to figure everything out to begin with because at the end of the day, it's just get stuff out there, keep creating, and uh, keep doing amazing work. All right, until next time, have a great one.